Welcome to the European CME Forum podcast. European CME Forum is a not-for-profit organization that promotes multi-channel discussion on matters relating to European and global CME CPD. My name is Eugene Pozniak. I'm the program director of European CME Forum. In today's episode, Fraukia Sosef from core to ed chats with Good CME Practice Group members Margarita Velcheva and myself. The Good CME Practice Group, or GCMEP, is a membership organization for CME providers based in Europe. The focus of today's episode is the CME accreditation landscape in Europe. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. And welcome to this webinar from the Good CME Practice Group on the CME accreditation landscape in Europe. My name is Frauke Sosef, and I'm the medical director and co-founder of Cortuet, which is a company in independent medical education. And as Cortuet, we are a proud member of the Good CME Practice Group. During today's 30 minutes webinar, we will discuss the CME accreditation landscape in Europe with Margarita Velcheva and Eugene Bosniak. So the focus will be on the European landscape. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to also go through uh, specific individual country by country requirements. A lot of questions actually have already been asked uh, via the registration page. We summarize those questions in overarching questions. We'll go through those first. So before we dive into the discussion and the questions, I would like to ask both Eugene and Margarita to introduce themselves. Eugene, would you like to start? Great, thank you, Frauke. So, uh, hello, good, uh, good morning, good afternoon. My name is Eugene Pozniak, and um, I'm Managing Director of CME Learning, which is the first organization outside of the US to be accredited by the ACCME. But for even before that and since, we've had experience of, of accreditation of uh, over 25 different systems around the world. Um, and I'm also the Programme Director of European CME Forum. So we're planning our 14th annual meeting taking place this, uh, this November. Thanks, Eugene. Margarita? Great, thank you. Welcome to all the participants of this webinar. Um, I'm Margarita, and I'm um, CME-CPD Accreditation and Compliance Specialist at Canis Group. Canis Group is a global PCR, focusing on organizing medical and scientific meetings. Um, I'm also a proud member of the Good CME Practice Group, um, and I'm very excited to be part of um, this webinar today. Thank you. Thank you both. Great. So with this background you both have and your expertise, I'm sure we will be able to cover a lot. So the first question, uh, Eugene, maybe that's for you. Uh, could you give a short overview of the CME accreditation landscape in Europe? Okay, so the real challenge will be to keep this this short, but uh, hopefully it'll be a good sort of introduction to this and cover off many questions that we've already received. But um, just over, overall, there are three approaches. The first is the pan-European way. So we have the UEMS EACME system uh, that accredits education from uh, any disease areas. Uh, there's also the newly renamed EBAC, the European Board for Accreditation of Continuing Education for Health Professionals. So you can apply to these organizations and, and have your activities accredited on a sort of international level. 
Then the, the second route is through the ESABs, the European Specialty Accreditation Boards, and they're usually backed by a medical society. Some are in the EACME system, so like for radiology, respiratory, some of the oncologists, uh, some are not, such as other bits of the oncologists, like uh, ESMO, they have their own system, IBACH for hematology. And um, as I say, they're usually sort of based within um, a medical society or supported by a medical society. They're usually separate organizations, but attached or have their background in that. And then the third way, which is probably the most important way for our learners, and um, is, is the national accreditors. Yeah, in Europe, some countries still don't really have a formal system, but those that do could have a mixture of a national system. Um, an exciting development recently is that France is, is implementing a new system. Um, it, and we also have systems done by specialty as well. So like in the UK, we have the Royal Colleges that, that uh, look after uh, CPD accreditation. Um, the specialist societies in the Netherlands, in Switzerland, look after their own systems. And then sometimes it's done regionally. So Italy or Germany, um, they're run by the regional councils or the state chambers of physicians. So that's sort of broadly the three ways of getting something, getting an activity accredited in, in Europe. Thank you. And then maybe as an add-on question to that, Eugene, is can you also ex, ex, uh, give us a bit more information about the recognition of CME credits across borders? Ah, yes. So with this, it's not like in, um, in the US. You know, th there is, I mean, we'll, we'll be talking about different, reasons for getting something accredited in Europe, but the cross-border recognition is not as smooth as it could be. Different systems have different requirements. Learners approach the credit systems in different ways. But what's really important is the individual learners know what they need to do in order to satisfy their own requirements, and they know what their authorities actually accept. So, so that's really the, the main way of approaching things. But as far as formal systems across borders, um, they don't really exist uh, as smoothly as I think we as providers would like it to exist. Thank you. Thanks, Eugene. And then Margarita, um, could you explain like what are the main reasons or the benefits uh, to have a program accredited? Great. Thank you, Farouki. So I would like to begin with one of the biggest values, um, I would say, is the quality stamp that a program receives after being accredited. So essentially, um, it's important that the educational offering is assessed by an accredited provider. Uh, and there are certain criteria that we educational providers follow in order to get an activity accredited. Um, first, first important is that the education that we develop is appropriate. Uh, it's actually following um, a certain knowledge gap uh, where the needs assessment is developed, educational learning objectives are developed, and at the end, participants will actually learn something. Learners will um, learn something and apply something in the practice that will change something the way they do things. Um, second importance is that the, the, the content is balanced. Um, the faculty, uh, uh, the faculty, and the the, the content uh, review. It's important that the information also that we provide is is transparent. So we have to be very transparent of 
who is working on developing the content of that program and also what kind of support the program um, receives. And um, also another last um, point is that the information is effective. Basically, what I just mentioned are the core principles of the Gutimi practice group. So we as a group really um, delegate for these um, standards or principles and we, we follow that very, very strictly. Um, another uh, benefit is that, um, yeah, as, as I said, there is a proof of independence and there is a compliance um, of standards for the industry. Um, of course, the accreditation is also um, boosting attendance for physicians, but most importantly, we really want to focus on the, the benefit of the quality and effective education that's delivered. Thank you. Thank you. And Eugene, maybe um, Margarita already alluded quite a bit to sort of the requirements for accreditation. Is there anything else or do you have like a short list um, that you normally use for like that a program has to have these elements in place in order to get accredited? Yeah, so, so on the whole, actually, it's just as Marguerite was saying, um, you know, it's important to point out that in Europe, we have an event-based accreditation system so that you need to have developed the education already before you can apply for accreditation. Um, the accreditors also check whether the organization submitting the, the request or organizing the activity is compliant under their system. So yeah, Marguerite also mentioned some, some sort of good practices there, but we need to recognize also their accreditation systems that uh, allow uh, non sort of GCMEP members, let's say, you know, non-compliant organizations um, in, within our usual setting to be to be having their uh, activities accredited, you know, like medcoms agencies, even drug companies, you know, in the UK drug companies can get uh, their own activities accredited. So that's not necessarily within the scope of uh, CME in, in our discussion. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, and they also ask in various ways, usually in, in some kind of like a procurement system online, um, you know, to discuss the or to present the information, Margarita, that you've just been talking about, you know, how, how did you do a needs assessment? Sometimes they just ask for learning objectives. Uh, they look into the faculty, the quality in various ways and fair balance. And the rules do change a little bit. So each accreditation body has their own requirements. And, and also, uh, they, I think they all ask for some kind of evidence of the feedback and evaluation process that's, that we employ. But, but I think as providers, we do much more with that because even if we do send it into the accreditation body, they ask for it, it there's very little feedback um, as to if they've interpreted it or not. Um, they just want the reassurance that the provider is asking um, the learners uh, whether it's a knowledge test through multiple choice quiz or quite a few of them now are asking for sort of level four outcomes, asking the learners to reflect on what they've heard and, uh, and actually say what they might do as a, as a, as a result of um, their participation. Thank you. So um, if we talk about programs, educational programs, of course, there are face to face and online educational programs, more online programs uh, with the pandemic. So Margarita, according, in your view, what are the main differences when it comes to accreditation between sort of a face-to-face -face program and an online educational event or an online program, I should say? Yes. So before I answer that question, I think it's very important to emphasize on 
quite in, one important aspect here. So we do have face-to-face -face events, which for the one and a half year now are all transformed into virtual events, which are still live virtual events, which are happening at a particular time on a particular day. And there is the online education that's more of an enduring um, format that is an online course developed throughout developed where people join whenever they can um, they, um, they there is the education at the end if that's credit they get a credit right um, so there is a difference between these two so when we speak about face-to-face -face, um, and online which is um, more or less the same the criteria or the requirements for the accreditation are more or less very similar what differs though is the timeline for approval and submission so for example for over over the last year and a half, the European Accrediting Council for CME, they have introduced new timeline for submission of an accreditation application, which was reduced from 12 to seven weeks. And this will be the case until the end of 2021. Um, so with regards to the other um, accrediting bodies in Europe, uh, EBAC um, accredits their um, the, the, the accredit their uh, applications in a, in about one to two to four weeks um, and um, also in, in Germany um, an application can be accredited between one or two weeks and the submission time is between two and six weeks uh, the European accrediting Council for CME accredits that so for trusted partners as Canis is a trusted partner with the EACME um, we benefit from an accredited time between one and four weeks. And for regular uh, submissions, this is up to seven weeks. Um, and um, another thing I wanted to mention is that for the, due to the time of the pandemic, the European Council for CME has developed the opportunity for, um, for providers to submit an application for COVID webinars, which, we, which are created within a week. So if a webinar is specifically dedicated to a COVID topic, this can be submitted one week prior to the event, and then it's created uh, for that week. Uh, and this also will be possible until the end of 2021. Good overview, Margarita. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so we'll now move into the questions that are uh, being submitted um, and some other questions we have as well. But maybe let's go uh, to the questions in the chat first. Um, and I don't know, Eugene, apologies if I put you on the spotlight, but uh, one question is specifically for you is uh, what happened to the efforts of the U.S based uh, ACME to penetrate the European market is a question that was raised. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't think what the ACCME in Europe, um, I don't think they're actively penetrating the European market in this way. Uh, but, but especially in COVID times, you know, so much education now is global. People can attend activities, events online. And, um, and of course, the AMA credit is recognized you know, throughout Europe and across the world. It is sort of the, the gold standard in, in CME currency. So, so, there, so there's probably a raised awareness of the AMA credit in, in Europe. Um, but uh, yeah, of course, we have been accredited under that system. And um, and then 
there's a second organization as well in Ukraine that's been accredited now. And so we're seeing more interest in this. And actually, I've just seen a question that's come up in the chat. Can I can I um, cover that as well, Frank? Okay, yeah. Is there? There's a question about uh, informal learning and uh, you know, workplace learning and things like this. And actually, you know, this this is something that is an attraction for use un, uh, developing education under the ACCME system because you can actually use these different uh, styles of education formats as long as it's packaged in a compliant way as long as it's developed according to the standards it can be certified for credit and uh, and, th and this is really important as we move into the digital age the digital literacy of our learners is increasing um, to acknowledge that people are uh, accessing their education in the digital way, but also at the point of care, uh, talking to colleagues, whether it's uh, in informal meetings. And it would be excellent to see the European accreditors encompassing these novel uh, types of education, novel for us here, and, uh, and make it accreditable under uh, European accreditation systems. Thank you. Thanks, Eugene. Um, then an, another question which came in through the chat is um, is actually it's, it's similar to a question we also received uh, uh, upon registration, which is does CME attract visitors? So do, do CME credits um, are they necessary for all physicians in Europe uh, to maintain their license? Um, does it attract visitors? Just the credits itself. So on top of the quality stamp that you just discussed, Margarita. Right, so physicians do need credits in order for them to keep their license in practice, right? So I think overall in Europe, I'm not familiar with the particular requirements of each country because there are so many different countries. Every country, they have their own requirements, but more or less, they have to claim a certain amount of credits, let's say 250 credits for a period of five years, etc. So. Uh, what we have seen is that over the last one and a half year, participants are interested whether the event is CME accredited, um, more for the fact that the content is reviewed by specialists for that quality stamp rather than actually claiming that CME credit, mostly because there are so many activities out there that are CME accredited that participants can choose from. So at the end, they would go for actually something that's a really reviewed and of high quality rather than the, the actual credit uh, currency. But indeed, just to answer the question briefly, yes, physicians need CME credits, um, but I guess it's up to them to, to choose where they can get them from. Thanks, thank you. Um, and another question uh, relating to sort of, you know, the pand pandemic more online uh, or moving now into hybrid meetings uh, once face-to-face -face meetings are, are really taking place again. Um, so maybe this is for Eugene. Um, how do you see the landscape changing uh, as more meetings are moving towards hybrid meetings? Yeah, I mean, and it's been a real um, huge shift in the way that we're seeing education being presented to our our learners and I might um, uh, cover another question as well of something that we've seen over the past couple of years is that there's a lot more education that is being presented now 
whether it's accredited or not, you know, quite a few national systems said, let's put CME on hold while the pandemic hit. So the credit became even less important, but the amount of education increased. And um, uh, so the importance of hybrid meetings will be there. So it'll be great for accreditors to be able to accredit those activities. But um, but we're seeing also a lot more independent, not independent, unbiased, um, balanced education coming from drug companies as well. So actually, someone's asked a question about the volume of accredited activities versus uh, company-led activities in Europe, and and I think that accredited activities have been getting smaller because the learners just want good education from the easiest source that's best presented. And, um, and we've seen from all the accreditation bodies that the number of accredited activities has fallen. Um, however, there are, there's, there's no shortage of education, as Margarita is saying. So I think that ratio is, is changing and, and we're seeing a shift in provision of education in Europe. Thank you. Now, there is a question about um, uh, organizations like EBEC. Um, will they give accreditation to shorter forms of uh, education, so less than one hour, if this is something we have been discussing in the Good CME Practice Group as well. Uh, and if so, when will this be applicable? Who would like to take that question? I'll, I'll, I'll dive in. I, I don't see us <laughs> doing fractions of credits anytime soon. You know, the, the credits that are asked for at, on the national level are in full number integers. You know, they want full credits. I don't think on a European level or a national level, accreditors will start uh, breaking it down. However, what, what we are seeing is the accreditation of, of micro-learning. Um, it is possible both with EBAC and DIACME um, to cut up it, not cut up education, but present smaller portions of education according to their standards so that learners can work through a number of educational engagements under their requirements, reach that sort of one hour, one credit um, point, and then claim whole integer certificates that way. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, and then Margarita, there's a question specifically for you uh, about um, timelines. <laughs> so right. for an online course, which is uh, not, it's called asynchronous, I hope I pronounced it correctly, is it then seven weeks also? Um, because in, in this person's experience with IACMI, they wanted to have it, the course um, 14 weeks in advance. Right, so the you criteria, um, sorry for okay. So the criteria for the accreditation of e-learning materials portals, uh, they're slightly different than the accreditation of um, uh, live educational events or webinars, as they call them. Um, I'm not sure this particular uh, provider, if they're a trusted provider or what is their status, but essentially the decision time for an accreditation of an online activity is about seven weeks. Um, so perhaps I can take that offline with that um, with the person who asked that question and we can try to dig a little bit deeper in that. Um, or they can check the requirements as per criteria from the accreditor specifically. Okay, thank you. 
Thank you. Another question is about those, and, and maybe this is for you, Eugene, it relates to the different accreditation bodies in Europe. You explained at the beginning of this webinar the sort of the three main parts. Um, and the question is, do you think it would be good if those accreditation systems could be integrated into one in Europe? Uh, so they are not competing uh, and that there is one system. So, for example, UMS, EBAC, the national systems. It's a nice question. It's nice, isn't it? And it would yeah. be lovely. And, you know, for two decades, we've been listening to this discussion of harmonization of credits or bringing the systems together or someone getting into partnership with someone else. And, and nothing's really happened on this level. Um, however, uh, we do have to bring up the, um, you know, the International Academy of CPD accreditors. So I think that is the hope that we have as providers that something can happen on this level. You know, this is a fantastic collaboration of I don't know, dozens of accreditors across the world, uh, several in Europe, but, but it's global. So it's not just Europe. And maybe that's what's helping the dialogue is that we're moved, we've moved away from our sort of European arguments, maybe, as uh, I speak as a Brit here now as well, um, to, to actually have a more collaborative environment where people are talking about what should be the best standards in, in CME uh, from the part of the accreditation bodies and they you know, they had the cologne consensus conference a couple of weeks ago and and of course their their own document on the equivalency of standards is is published which will put the links in the chat i'm sure afterwards i just can't remember the exact titles of this so you've put me a little bit on the spot frank here um but um but it's what's really positive is hearing how accreditors of all different sizes and flavors are coming together and actually finding what they think are sort of common to all of them and i'm hoping that from this we will have more uh, standardized standards uh, for cme accreditation in in europe and from that for there to be a credit that is that is recognized that is really truly global as part of this international collaboration Thank you. Uh, time goes by really quickly during this webinar, and I know there are a lot of questions. Um, there's one final question, though, uh, I would like to ask both of you, which is what, which would be your one key takeaway regarding CME that everyone should be aware of. Well, I'll, I'll shall I start? Go ahead. Just, just sort of thinking about this, you know, I mean, what we've seen is that the CME landscape in Europe is constantly evolving. You know, we may look at the standards and say, oh, we had, there's been no change in 10 years, but out there on the streets kind of thing, we're seeing CME evolving. And as providers, I think we should be talking to our accreditors, let them know the kind of education we're doing, let them know, um, you know how we can incorporate big data, you know, public health priorities, whatever it is. Um, and um, and so that so that the, the landscape can evolve and change so we can serve our learners better as well. Our learners are so digitally literate now. Um, you know, and the way they're consuming education is completely different to what it was five years ago, even a couple of years ago. So, uh, so I'd like to, to, yeah, let's keep the discussion going. Come to the 14th annual European CME Forum. You know, let's let's talk about this more. Thanks, Eugene. Great. Anything you would like Thank to you, add? Eugene. So, just to add to what Eugene was saying, well, we in the Butimi Practice Group we always speak about that harmonization, and exactly, we are developing 
education for our learners, right? We need to really follow their needs. So I would say try to make it more easier for them or more agile, something that it's fast changing, something that it's meeting their needs faster um, and more efficient, I would say. So we will continue have uh, having conversation with the creditor or all organizations involved in medical education, specifically in Europe, and we'll try to um, improve that environment, make it uh, easier, not only for us, the providers, but also for the, for the learners. Thank you. And thank you both, uh, Margarita and Eugene. These are really valuable insights. And um, thank you all for attending and uh, submitting so many questions. This is clearly an area of high interest for all of us. So with that, uh, we would like to end this webinar. Uh, thank you so much for attending and see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was GCMEP members Frauke Sosef, Margarita Velcheva and myself discussing the CME accreditation landscape in Europe. GCMEP is a membership organization for CME providers based in Europe that aims to promote professionalism within the European CME provider community. More information can be found on the group's website, gcmep.org. Thank you for listening and join us for more episodes as we explore all things CME CPD.